You are listening to The Takedown Notice, conferencing on Google Hangouts, hosted by Podbean. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Takedown Notice, episode five. Is this episode five now, guys? I think episode so. Episode five. Let's do that one again. <laughs> All right. no, i like i like it i think you know, yeah <laughs> yes it is episode five no it's cool it's episode five now do. it's episode five now all right uh my name is nate owens i'm coming to you from kansas city uh i'm joined by john van valkenberg what's up guys ryan steiner hello and aaron van valkenberg hey and uh we are here to talk about some music that we all like how things been going for you guys good Everything good? Everything rocking still? Rock so hard. Oh, yeah. I'm glad to so hear that. Hard. Hey, I'm, Also, oh, did ball you guys... so hard, too. Sorry, what was that? Also, ball so hard. That shit cray. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. It's that time of year. Um, did you guys... Do you, I, I don't know if you guys saw this. This is really... I'm, I'm excited about this. But on um, someone on YouTube did a mashup of... The new I, I've talked about the new Daft Punk album a couple of times and how much I liked it and someone yes, did a mashup. You're a little obsessed. So yeah, I am. But someone did a mashup on YouTube of the the new Daft Punk album and Strong Bad's Come On for Hobo Gods. And it's the whole album of random access memories set to Come On for Hobo Gods from Homestar Runner. Nice. And it's an hour long. It's an hour long YouTube video, <laughs> and it is literally every track on the album just has "Come on, Kobo Gods" there as the, as the lyrics instead of the actual <laughs> the actual lyrics. And it sounds it's like pretty it, solid. It sounds like it'd be annoying, but it's pretty great. I <laughs> I don't mind telling you guys. It was it was something that made me made me pretty excited. What's interesting is that that Strong Bad song. I knew that before. I knew the song that I think it sounds like. Uh, the Michael Jackson. Uh, Get on the floor. The middle of Get on the Floor from the Off the Wall album. Now someone needs to take Off the Wall and turn that into <laughs> Off the Wall with Fokobo Gods. And, um, and then match and then, that together with Ram. The <laughs> and then, yeah, and then yep. we'll combine that with Random Access Memories and we can have mm-hmm. a three a three layer mashup with and, Come On Fokobo Gods. And then lay all that over in Rainbows play it backwards <laughs> and get this you have dark side of the moon that's right and yeah. then you have to download you have to watch mind blown yeah you got you got to watch like i was gonna say wizard of oz but then i thought what if it was a different movie like escape from new york or something <laughs> I, I just i just i was just picking a movie out of my head it let's see what else perfectly. what else have i been listening to um oh have you guys have, have you guys heard the the newest David Bowie album. It came out last year. It was like last March, but I guess so. It's, I guess it's been out about a year now. But it's called The Next Day, and I've not I've not listened to a whole bunch of Bowie in my life. But this it, that's a really good album. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you guys if you guys get a chance to listen to it, I really recommend it. I was I was listening to it, and it was like it was one of those situations where every single song was like, oh wow, I'm I'm really digging this. I'm really digging this. It's like oh wow, and I got to the end. There's a song. Um, towards the end called How Does the Grass Grow and it's it's a really cracked out song but I really liked it a lot <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's great I definitely 
definitely would recommend you guys check it out at some point. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. It's been, oh, you know, I, we were, I, I mentioned in the last uh, episode, or maybe it was two episodes ago, we were talking about uh, stuff we've been listening to with our kids, and I've been, we've been listening to a lot of Beatles in our car, and I got out uh, the album Love, which is from a Cirque du Soleil soundtrack they did for the, the Beatles-based Cirque du Soleil show, and it's, again, it's like a, you know, they'll combine the rhythm from one song with the lyrics to another song, so there's one that's like, um, the words to Within You Without You playing over the, the music from Tomorrow Never Knows. And it, and it works completely well, which is probably not too hard with Tomorrow Never Knows since it's all just played on C, but it's still, it's still really fascinating. I really liked it a lot. So I don't know. Uh, what are you guys been listening to? John, how about you? Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, some strange talk. Um, that's a they're they're pretty fun. Um, I don't think I've heard of strange talk, and I hope I don't embarrass myself. I I I don't want to seem uncool, but I've not heard of strange talk. It's all right, Nate. We already think you're uncool. Oh, thanks. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, young hearts. That's 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 one. That's a good song. Got it. Um, um, I've also. I mean, I. <clears throat> went back and listened to some of the uh, like uh, Grace Potter and the Nocturnals you got me down on the floor. some young blood hawk you know all that hippie like indie crap that uh, I'm way too old to listen to but, all that uh, hippie crap that I love yeah. <laughs> I do. I love it. You do live in Seattle, Ryan. You have to be a. You have to listen to hippie crap. Well, in that case, I was impersonating John, who was making fun of the thing that he loves. But yeah, that's true. Yeah. In Seattle, you have to like hipster music, or they'll kick you out. It's true. Wow. Because yeah. you can't. I mean, you can't. You can't get by by growing a handlebar mustache. I know nope. that for a fact. Nope. That's so. Not what enough. are you going to do? Yeah, you have to listen yeah. to hipster music. Wear tight jeans. <laughs> Yeah, you don't look good in tight jeans. I'll I, tell you what. No, 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 great. Nate. I don't look good in tight jeans. I look fabulous. <laughs> don't forget it. Don't forget it. Anyway, back to music. <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm distracted and oddly aroused, um, <laughs> um no, I've, I've also listened. Um, I've been pretty much uh, the new Foster the People album has been on kind of repeat for me. It's it's I really really like it. So, yeah, I you know I I was reading it was it must have been on AV Club. I was reading a review of that the other day, and it sounded like something I really wanted to get into, and I couldn't at that point, and I haven't gotten back into it. So it you you liked it a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> how does it how does it compare to their my, first yeah. album? Um, little. A little different. Um, seems a little bit, maybe a little faster. Um, more my style. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love me some pumped up kicks, but uh, I don't know. It, the The first album was decent. This one I really, really like. Yeah, I, th- I so. thought the first one was a couple of good singles kind of built around an, an all right album. So I'd be interested to hear something a little stronger from them. So, <clears throat> yep. cool. Aaron, how about you? Anything good? Yeah, I mean... Kind of a interesting relationship with jazz music, I guess. I I like it. 
Um, you guys are you guys are just friends, but you're not exclusive or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean we're more of acquaintances, honestly. It's it's you'd think it's <laughs> I like playing jazz piano a little bit and all this stuff. Random lovers, just acquaintances. But I re- I'm really kind of into this uh, this group from Brooklyn, New York, Snarky Puppy, which is like this. Yeah. They're, they're incredible They modern. sound charming. Are you yes. sure they aren't from that emo album, the emo greatest <laughs> hits album that we talked about a few episodes ago? No, they're, they're the wicked diaries. familiar. <laughs> Snarky Puppy's great. They're, they're a great groove in modern jazz fusion band, and uh, they are... It's all instrumental stuff, which is a lot of jazz is at least that way, but... Um, I mean, I'm really into one of their older songs, uh, Skate You, is just a great one. It has like this... It has just a great groove. Um, a sick bass solo and just this this organ solo that is just yeah it just makes you want to go to church it's just great <laughs> Aaron you need to check out the seatbelts. The seatbelts, huh? Dude, I mean, that's going to be like nerd alert like crazy, but, you know, I love me some Cowboy Bebop, and that has the best soundtrack of any any show ever. There you go. So anyway, yeah, Snarky Puppy's great. And then kind of the, keeping with the virtuosic musicians, uh, Chris the- Thiele, is that how you say his name, from Nickel Creek? I think it's Teal. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how we say it, but he's done a lot of collaborations with various artists recently since Nickel Creek kind of broke up and then got together. They have a new album out today. I was going to say, yeah, there's yeah. a new Nickel <laughs> Creek album out today. Yeah. Uh, rather on the day we're recording this. Right. Yeah. So like in 2011, he did an album with Michael Daves or Michael Davies, I'm not sure, who's uh, just a virtuoso uh, flat picking guitar player and singer. And then, uh, of course... Chris Thiel, or whatever his name is, uh, plays the mandolin, and he's incredible. And anyway, just listen to them. That album is uh, Sleep With One Eye Open. I listened to a, their performance on NPR, um, and just super tight harmonies, just playful, that you can just tell that they're ridiculous musicians. And uh, I don't know, I kind of like that because it makes me feel like uh, I'm one of them somehow, but I'm not. he's there playing air mandolin in his room exactly (laughs) and he tells his wife okay you have to play air upright bass and then he gets his kids to try and do the other instruments as as needed you know air slide guitar is really hard but yeah when you pull it off it's so rewarding it also can kind of look like you're doing something inappropriate air lap steel yeah (laughs) so yeah very nice very nice ryan how about you uh Speaking of AV Club, which has come up a couple times, a couple weeks ago they did a piece on uh, MF Doom's Mad Villainy. Just kind of a classic-ish hip-hop album from the last 10 years. And I've been listening to that a lot. That was one of those albums that I'd I'd read about it and I'd say, oh, I'm going to listen to that later. Oh, I'm going to listen to that. And never had until just now, and I love it. It's my really whole, great. My whole life is is made up of those albums. I could probably <clears throat> I know, make right? a, a whole thing of like, oh yeah, it's stuff I meant to listen to and never did. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it was cool to listen to it and be like, hey, this is this is as good as I had heard it was, if not a little bit better. Um, listen to that. Also, uh, because I have a two year old, 
daughter, I've been listening to the Frozen soundtrack. Oh, uh, we talked about that last my, time. Didn't yeah, we? it's just you can't escape it. This girl's two years old, and in the car, she's saying, "Let it go, let it go, Daddy, let it go." And I don't know where she even remembered that from. It just gets in her little headspace, and she can't get it out. So we've listened to that goddamn song about four hundred thousand times, and I'm about <laughs> sick of it. But she loves it, so there's parenthood. I feel like well, at least I, it's I, a quality musical piece. Yeah, but I, here's another thing. If you took out the word go and put in burn instead, it's about an arsonist who doesn't give a crap about anything. So I've been doing that. It's way more enjoyable. <laughs> Or you could put snow, and then it's a Christmas song. <laughs> That's so boring. Let it snow. It's funny you guys are mentioning Frozen. I on, on my blog, and I'm taking a tangent here, but on my blog, I just wrote a thing where I took all 53 Disney animated movies and ranked them. And I did it in 15 minutes, so you know I put a lot of thought into it. That's good. And I won't... <laughs> Excuse me. Um, one one of the things I was going as I went through, I was thinking about. I, my son was watching Robin Hood, and I thought, hey, you know, Prince John and Sir Hiss, they share a bedroom. Whoa. And I don't know. I, th- this movie might be more progressive than I than I thought it was at the time. <laughs> so I never realized kind of smith- that. But... It's kind of a Smithers and Mr. Burns thing there, you Don't know. You idiots! Think about it, Smithers. If I came into your house and started sniffing at your crotch and slobbering all over your face, what would you say? <laughs> If you did it, sir. Um, the uh, but yeah, you know, Frozen is funny. I don't think I've heard the song since I saw the movie. I saw the movie like in January, and it's one of these things where people are like, oh, "I'm so sick of that song," and I'm like, "You know, you did buy the soundtrack, and you did link to all those YouTube videos, and I think it's your <laughs> own. I, th- I think it's your own dumb fault if you're sick of that song now, because I literally have only heard it once. I remember it, so it's memorable enough for me to keep hearing it, but. We'll probably talk about Frozen again next time we record an episode, and it'll be like, hey guys, I'm still listening to Frozen because I still have little girls, but I have little boys. So Next album podcast. We should just talk about the Frozen soundtrack and not mention any other song. We'll just talk about Let It Go for an hour and see how that goes. So guys, who's your favorite singer and why is it Idina Mendel or Menzel or whatever her name is? <laughs> that will be the podcast. That'll be fun. Anyway. I'm up for it. Let's make it happen. She is quality. She's quality. Actually, I was surprised by Kristen Bell's uh, talent. For the first time in forever, yeah, both Kristen those girls have pipes. With Kristen Bell, does she sing it? Does she do the? She's oh, yeah. the little mm-hmm. sister. Anna. Oh, She's Anna. yeah. See, I don't have I don't have any daughters. You guys, you guys all know this stuff now. I have every song memorized. It's really sad and really awesome at the I, same I time. I have all of I have all of Monsters University memorized. So. We could go in that direction, but there's no songs from that, so I'm sorry, guys. Anyway. Wow, Nate, way to be so gender essentialist. We didn't come here to talk about that. We came here to talk about a bunch of other songs that aren't Let It Go. And we're going to start <laughs> We're gonna start by talking about a song that Aaron recommended, which is Hound Dog by Big Mama Thornton. You ain't nothing but a hound Feed you no 
Yeah. So, I love this track. Um, I think like most people, I grew up only hearing Elvis do Hound Dog. You know, that's kind of cool in its own way. And of course, that's a monumental song. I can't just play it down. It's, uh, in fact, that song was huge for the kind of evolution of rock and roll. I mean, really because Elvis's hit um, was great because it was one of the first times where the different charts, the back in the day in the 50s, there's the pop charts and the R&B and the country western charts and so on. They were all kind of different. But in the late 40s, early 50s, you started getting the occasional crossover hit. And uh, Hound Dog was really like the first crossover hit that was huge everywhere. And really, this sense of crossover was what rock and roll became. This is why we go back to Elvis in a lot of ways, because, because of this. And this song was very important in that way. Anyway, so this song, that's how I knew it. This is actually written by, in case you didn't know, Elvis didn't write... I don't think any of his songs, but maybe, but definitely not this one. Uh, a lot of times there's a songwriting do, uh, people who would write this stuff. And so Lieber and Stoller wrote this song. They're a duo, kind of, you know, Rodgers and Hammerstein again, but for rock and roll or something. They wrote also Jailhouse Rock, uh, the Elvis did. They did uh, Benny King, the Stand By Me, if you know that one. They also yeah. wrote that too. So, you know, they're millionaires. So they wrote this too, but it was originally intended to be performed by Big Mama Thornton. And I'd never heard the song until uh, like last year. And when I heard it, I instantly was like, oh, this is Hound Dog. And, you know, Elvis, that song, that's fine. But I think it's just the blues here. It's a little has a little more, um, the voice is better. Big Mama Thornton's great. The growls and all that stuff. And it's just kind of interesting. Uh, there, I don't know if you noticed, there's like an extra couple bars, or I should say a couple beats added kind of at the end of this kind of 12 bar blues kind of feel. And so kind of a little bit crooked sounding that stands out compared to like the uh, the Elvis version. Well, you know, what I what I found interesting, and Aaron, I'm like you, I, this is the first time I'd heard this version of it. I'd known about it, but I think in my head I had assumed that Elvis did a cover not that he sort of did a rewritten version of the same song, which is really the case. This is right. It's a it's it's a pretty distinct song, actually. I that surprised me. I think I was um, expecting something a little closer to the original. To or I'm sorry, I, sh I should say I was expecting something closer to the Elvis recording, even in terms of melody. Like this has a lot mm -hmm. more lyrics to it. It's a longer song. Um, it has a really a really kind of primal, guttural kind of feel to it. Very. Um, very un un unstudied. I mean, the Elvis the Elvis song is really good. I don't. That's that's yeah, sure. probably the, the it's the Elvis song I'm most familiar with, probably. And I think that one reason it is good is because it took this kind of really raw sound. That I mean, I I don't know. You know, I I don't I don't have it in front of me how well this song actually did in terms of radio charts at at, at that time. You know, mm -hmm. but he did take it and make it something that was really marketable and really crossover, which 
people say that's like, oh, how he commercialized it, but that's how, I mean, that's how ground is broken. Well, and and again, Hound Dog was huge in the R&B audience, which, you know, read the black audience, you know, in the 50s. So, uh, you know, this this was part of what was controversial about rock and roll, too, is the fact that, oh, um, white people are listening to black music and black people are listening to white music. It was controversial. So you're saying he's the Justin Timberlake of the 50s. That's exactly what he's saying. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, with no ambiguity at all. He isn't not that. Yeah. (laughs) To be clear on what Elvis was doing, Elvis picked this up. uh, So I hear actually from a a variation of Big Mama Thornton's that he had been hearing by Freddie Bell and the Bell Boys. Oh, okay. Interesting. And so there are lots of versions of this floating around. And. There's actually a terrible song called uh, Bearcat, like You Ain't Nothing But a Bearcat, which was a cover of this by Rufus Thomas. Go listen to that. It is just awful. It sounds was awesome. Like, it was so terrible. University of Cincinnati really Bearcats. Cincinnati. I would say, yeah, go Bearcats. Yeah, there you go. I didn't think about that. But yeah, so there's... It's, it's, a, it's an Ohio State song. You Ain't Nothing it, But a Bearcat. No, it's songwriting by way of cryptozoology. <laughs> you Ain't Nothing But a, a Bear and a Cat. Bearcat. Yeah, that's what you are. You son of a it's bitch. It's definitely a real animal. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. So there are lots of covers floating around. Yeah. And I'm curious as to how you came across this. I mean... Personally, I just don't see you just being like, oh, Spotify, I'm going to listen to some, you know, old time black music, right. you know, that doesn't that doesn't really register as, you know, you No, that's interesting. Actually, uh, last spring, I was um, in a class that I was an independent study with a group of eight of us at Eastman. And uh, we all did this history of rock class um, together with an actual, you know, popular music scholar. And this is when I first heard it. We were going through this you know, history text and stuff. And I was, and I realized, oh, I didn't know Hound Dog as I should have known it or something. So the other thing I thought about, and I'd love to hear Ryan and Nate's thoughts too, just to throw it out there. Um, there's a, an erotic aspect to this. Oh, that, yeah. Um, now this yeah. is normal. It's, you know, I'll get it, I'll get it in the course, you know, and then wag your tail. You gotta love that. I mean, and this is kind of a black stereotype you know that i think the the uh it is and i and i and i should say it's one that i think is i i, I think it was popularized that sort of there's a sort of exoticism mm-hmm. that white audiences, especially i think maybe less racially sensitive white audiences of the 50s which not that this doesn't happen today but that less you know that there'd be like oh you know we won't you know we, we're willing to objectify them but not mm-hmm. to actually you know treat them like like you know, real people. And I think that's, that's sort of a, that, that, that is on display here. Now it's not really, this wasn't made for wide audiences as such, as far as I can tell. So it's not, which is, which is also different. That, I mean, that subtext is most, mostly not there in the Elvis recording at all. Um, mm-hmm. Or at least it's Elvis not, it's not, it's not nearly that direct. For, yeah. It's well, a completely different audience. And with Big Mama Thornton, I think this is interesting, interesting your thoughts. I mean, with all that kind of erotic stuff going on, um, I, in a way, I think, as a modern listener, we listen to that and almost think to ourselves, oh, good for her, good for Big Mama, you know. She can be in touch with her her erotic self and so on. But if that was Beyonce, we'd be like, we would that's treat so, it totally that, that, that's different. That's so nice for a big woman. <laughs> that's what we'd say, yeah. Exactly. And so I think that's an interesting, I don't know if it's double standard, but it's an interesting way that we receive that Big Mama Thornton, her image and just the sound of it, opens up a different 
reception space like it's more satire than reality right well just well just even it opens up a space for us to actually you know a, a playground for experimenting with our ideas of what is erotic and enjoying that and not feeling bad about it and not feeling like oh i should be shaming this person or something like that where otherwise we might for like beyonce or whoever you know yeah well and it's also i mean the it's always a little sticky to be talking about issues of racism and sexism when we're a bunch of white guys yeah. on this podcast, <laughs> yeah. you know. And no. I, I think we should we should preface everything we're going to say here with that. There's a there's a level of identification that we just can't get here. I think with that, but I, right. I do think that's interesting that there's a it's it, it's not about hey look at me look how sexy I am. It's about hey you're not going to get any more. Is I mean that's that's mm-hmm. that's really what the song is about. And it's not you know you're right. It's it's definitely a it's got a really raunchy streak to it. But it's also not like I, I I don't know if I'd call it objectifying personally. I don't know if you guys would would disagree with yeah. that. But I'd also say it's I'd also say it's a little bit less raunchy than maybe we're saying. I think that's part of the fact that we're very very much not the uh, the culture right. <laughs> of this. Yeah, Ryan, um, you haven't said anything yet. I don't know if you had anything to add to this. Yeah, y'all are taking it to another level. I didn't even think about. But uh, as for myself, I heard, I have heard Hound Dog like a bajillion times. I don't really like Elvis. Uh, I just he's never done it for me, which is fine. Whatever. I heard this song and I was like, oh, this is how that's supposed to sound, Elvis, exactly. you dummy. Like this is what this song is supposed to be. Uh, it just touches just from that opening note, like. It just touches on every like you get the entire song just based on that first opening blast of you ain't nothing. Well, and it is it is it's an amazing. outstanding vocal performance. It is outstanding. Like, I, I, yeah, I was just blown away. Like, I was just listening to it. And my jaw was dropped. Like, I had never, I never, I've never been so familiar with a song and heard a cover of it that so completely changed my perceptions of what it was and felt like. I had been exposed to a whole other new song that, I don't know, it was just really different. Like, yeah, I, I just felt like th- this song should have been sung by a woman all along. Like, that's crazy that it was sung by Elvis. It doesn't kind of make sense there. You know you um, know what? I think the only, the only cover I can think of that maybe pulled the same kind of, wow, it really changed the kind of song it is, was uh, with a little help from my friends. If you think of the Ringo mm-hmm. Starr version and then you think of the Joe Cocker version. What would you do if I sang? Out of tune, would you stand up and walk out on? And the Joe Cocker version, I mean, the, it's, it's you know, it's a good average kind of Beatles song, but the Joe Cocker version is like, I mean, John Lennon, Amazing. yeah, I mean, John John Lennon said that it was better than his version. <laughs> well, we should be clear here. Big Mama Thornton's is 1953, and this, that yeah. is the original. Yes, yeah, hers is the original. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, there yeah, you go. Then Elvis, yeah, yeah. why I, did I think, you, yeah, yeah. I missed that part. But I mean, yeah, even good. still, it's like, Elvis, why did you ruin this song for me all my life? <laughs> I because I didn't realize how great it was. Yeah, it. he um, was paid a lot of money for it. Exactly. Yeah, he was. Which that, to me, is more of an interesting thing is, you know, talking about appropriate white appropriating black culture and exploiting it and getting lots and lots of money for it while the original is unknown to people like me. Which is, you know, again, my fault because I hadn't really sought it out, but... It's an sure. interesting example of how that can happen, and we're not even aware of it, despite our better or best intentions. Right, right. Cool. Well, anyone else have anything they want to add to Hound Dog? 
by Big Mama Thornton. Awesome song. That's all. Yeah, it is an awesome song. It's a really great recording. And I think the, it, it yeah, it, it just, it, it, it does come screaming through the speakers when you hear it. It's just, just that vocals. Oh man, just great. Really, really good. All right. Hey, let's move on to John's song, which is One of These Things First by Nick Drake. I could be here and now I would be, I should be, but I have I could have been For one of these things first John, tell us a little bit about this song. Why, why'd, you, why'd you pick this one? I mean, I don't have like a real transcendent reason that I picked it. I I heard this the first time, and I didn't realize that I had heard it the first time this way. Um, it's on the Garden State soundtrack, um, and you know that that had a, such a that was a really good soundtrack for just blending into the back of background of the of the film. Um, and at the time, I didn't actually do any research, and I assumed that this was you know, some indie performance that would made it on, you know, like the shins are on there and things like that. So, you know, I'm thinking, okay, well, this is just something that has come out in the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, and then I was, I found it the other day. I was like, oh yeah, I love that song. And then I was like, 1970, <laughs> what the heck? Um, and then I find out that he's like one of these singer songwriters that, you know, died really young. Um, he's got a huge cult following. Um, kind of a la Elliot Smith, um, and I don't I don't know it, it's it's there's not a ton of his stuff that I'm just like oh we have to listen to it but this is one of those songs that I think you know um, it doesn't seem like it only has to be pigeonholed in the 70s um, and that that's some of the best music is when you you get a song that it could be from any era you know if you know, if you think about it, um, it's just good singer songwriting work. So yeah, that's, that's why I selected it. I kind of got that from this. I listened to it and it sounded like this could be, you know, 10 years ago, singer songwriter, whatever. And I, and even, you know, I I think you said it was from the seventies earlier and I didn't realize what is it? 1970. It's the early seventies. I mean, yeah, it's literally, I think 1970. And so, I mean, to me, it, it, it does seem timeless in that way. And maybe that's, Partly because we don't, Nick, Nick Drake didn't have a chance dying early to have an effect on the 70s, maybe. I don't know that he would have exactly, but he may have changed the way we heard 70s singer-songwriter or something. But Well, um, you know, Aaron, I, I'm, I'm not sure about that he would have had no effect. I, don't know. I mean, to me, yeah, I guess to me this was, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but this does feel tied to the 70s to me. And I think because it reminds me a lot of stuff like uh, Simon and Garfunkel, James Taylor, um... It kind of brings that to mind to me, and not at all in a bad way. I actually, I'm not wild about 70s acoustic pop, like this kind of stuff, and I don't, and that, I, I hate even using that phrase because it sounds dismissive, but this, I, I did like this song. Um, it's, now for me, mostly it ended up being more of a, a pleasantry, kind of a background thing for me, and John, you even mentioned that, that it kind of serves that purpose in the movie, in Garden yeah. State. 
Um, and I think that's kind of where I connected with it. Um, I would have to give it a lot more effort to to really kind of, I, I think, to emotionally connect with it. I the the lyrics for me were a little, I guess, histrionic would be you know like they're just this sort of um, sort of you know young adult angst to them that I on one hand I I do relate to, but on the other hand I'm like you know come on who cares, you know, <laughs> and maybe that's just, and maybe that's just more indicative of the point in life where I'm at now. Um, but yeah, I, I did, I, I did like this one. I'm not, I, I was not familiar with any other Nick Drake stuff before listening to this. So I, I did like the song. Uh, Ryan, I'm, I, I, let's hear what you had to say there. I thought it dovetailed nicely into, um, Iron and Wine. There was a lot of Agreed. similar, yes, uh, yeah, which which for those there. for those paying attention is what we're going to be talking about in our next episode is the is Iron and Wine's album The Shepherd's Dog. Yeah, so that's an, that's something that's been on my mind a lot lately. So I thought those were tied together nicely, and I listened to a little bit more of Nick Drake and saw that I'm sure there was a lot of influence there from Nick Drake. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a nice nice song. Uh, you know, melancholy and it works well with Garden State soundtrack like. <laughs> To me, there's like a prototypical image for that, and I, I hear that and think, yeah. yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, <laughs> which again isn't dismissive, but that's just kind of what it is, and that's that's good. It's a good example. I think they're of like that. riding a bicycle in it, like I think they're riding a bike or something. Riding a bicycle in the rain with your manic pixie <laughs> dream girl. I'm you know? curious. Uh, I don't know if you said this or not. Um, I listened to about ten other tracks by them by Nick Drake just to kind of get a sense, and they all kind of sound like this in a way. Uh, although I think this one was probably my favorite, maybe it's just familiarity, but I was just curious, is, I think the, is this your favorite? This one or? and Black Dog, I think, are the two that are the most okay. popular. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, I, I think for me, the, the big context I had for it was that it just reminded me of other music, too. Um, I, I think I think James Taylor was a big one. My wife's family really likes James Taylor. My wife really likes James Taylor, and so I've, I've listened to a fair bit of him, and it... It sounds like it could be one of his songs. Who was also starting to come into his own right around the same time in the you know very late sixties, early seventies. So um, I think yeah, Ryan. And you know what? Actually, Ryan, while we were because we've been listening to uh, to Iron and Wines, the Shepherd's Dog for the next episode, and uh, I, I was reading up on it, and someone did mention that yeah, that's a a pretty strong influence on on Iron and Wine. So I forget where I read that. It was either on All Music or on AV Club. So yeah, it's uh. It makes sense. You yeah. see it in like yeah. innocent bones and stuff. Yeah, and... you yeah you really do. So, definitely. All right. Does anyone else have anything they would like to add to our discussion of Nick Drake's song "One of These Things First? All right. Sounds like we're ready to move on then, guys. Uh, let's talk about "Written in Reverse" by Spoon. This song was actually one that I picked out. I got into Spoon about, oh, probably been four or five years now. Um, and I uh, picked up their album, Ga 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 Ga, which, yes, it's Ga five times. And uh, <laughs> for those of you keeping count at home, and uh, this is actually from the album that followed that, which was called Transference, it came out in 2010. Um, that 
I, I liked that album less than I did Ga 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 Ga. And I think there's um, there's there, there's a lot of things I like about Spoon. One of which is they have a very tightly wound kind of um, very intense sound without going loud. And I think that's one thing I really appreciate about them. There's a sort of um, very tightly coiled feel to uh, to how their songs are written. And I think Written in Reverse has that very strongly that has that quality really strongly I, I i really like the voice of lead singer Britt daniel um i've always liked his voice i it's kind of an unconventional rock voice kind of an older more mature sound to it which i which i really appreciate and i i think this particular song i like the i i don't know i just like the idea of, of riding in reverse to me the song has sort of a weird angular kind of backwards feel to it um especially that main guitar riff that just comes in at the very beginning and um so it, it just was an interesting song, a very catchy one, a good example of what they do well, and I, I, I that's why I picked it. So I want to know what you guys thought of it, though. I would slightly disagree on them not getting loud, because, I don't know, this song got pretty loud. I mean, I liked it, um, but I mean, they're basically like slamming on the, on the keys. Yeah, I, I guess, which is cool. but to me it's, it's more... It's like a honky-tonk. Yeah, to me it's more of an um, intensity thing than an actual... Like, they don't go for a big heavy riff pounding everything you know it's a it's a it's a little more restrained and um it's rhythmically loud yeah yes yes i think it's they do short bursts of you know exactly like the piano the guitar to get their point across and they kind of use that as another rhythm piece which is cool um i i i, I do like spoon although every time i hear the name spoon i think of the tick that's an inescapable thing which probably cheapens the experience a little bit you know i don't know they might not mind i really like think of it in a serious manner when you're hearing spoon yeah. <laughs> in the back of your mind every single time that's true um that, that... but no i they're a good band uh i i did love um love the piano in this um yeah <clears throat> that's just a and you're right he does have a more mature voice um more under control in his yells yeah well yeah it's a very very throaty kind of gravelly voice but it's not like i mean he he, he knows how to use it you know he uh, mm-hmm. he does it he does yeah, it right. a little bit like um a more restrained you know foo fighters maybe, Dave Grohl. yeah yeah maybe a little bit more restrained by by yeah by quite yeah. a bit <laughs> Aaron, you sound like you were going to say something. Yeah, I love the voice. I love the grain of the voice type of thing. I think um, also this this song grooves really hard and really aggressively. It's an, it's a very uh, just the space, the empty space, the way that's interacting with the accents and the, the heavy hitting on the piano and wherever the bass and the kick drum and the snare stuff. All that is just really nice. And I think that's the first thing that struck me is like great vocals just great aggressive groove a lot of times pop grooves will go for more just the really slick groove and i think that's more of the the kind of thing i'm used to listening to but this this drummer clearly whoever's playing is is clearly skilled and the the ensemble also a very tight uh pocket going on so yeah they're they're in general they're a very tight band they don't always go for this kind of intensity um they're they're awfully varied in the type of stuff they do but they do have a really um a very lean sound where you feel like they're not wasting any notes. They're not, uh, you know, like it's all just exactly where it needs to be. I think one thing that has always appealed to me about Spoon is that when you, when I think of a lot of indie rock, 
um you know we talked about the we talked about the shins in relation to um uh the garden state soundtrack and you know bands like the shins um some other indie bands that either have kind of a quirky thing to them where it's either kind of cutesy or it makes you feel like a special flower for listening to it <laughs> or you know and I, and i think that one thing i've liked i've liked about spoon is that they really don't go for that it's not i'm, I'm not sure how mainstream it could be their song the underdog from ga 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 I, I heard that on the radio around here on rock radio around here at least um and so that one had a little bit of breakthrough i don't think anything off of transference did though um and so they're not it, it's not what you'd call mainstream but it it also isn't cutesy at all it doesn't go for any kind of, um, you know, s- special delicate kind of feel. It, it, you know, it goes for the gut and it goes, um, you know, it, it, it just, it works really hard to make it sound as tight as it can. And I think that's, I, th- I think this song just displays that so well. So. The one thing I would say with this song um, that I didn't like, it kind of does, it goes through, uh, I guess, a verse and a chorus and then another verse and a chorus. And then it kind of pretends like it's going to end. And begins again. Yeah. (laughs) And I thought that was really cool, like, the first time. And then after that, I was like, well, but it's not really worth another round. So that was my thought. Um, I don't know what y'all think. Yeah. So They could just follow the cake model and uh, they could be commercial. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's, I don't mind it. I like the way it goes back into the chorus after that. There's like that little way the piano trails off there and then the drums hit again and it goes back in. And I, I've always liked that, but it, it, the song does feel maybe a little longer than it needs to be. And maybe even just by like 40 seconds or so, like it's, right. it's, it's, it's hard to, yeah. it's not, it, it's not a big deal. Um, but it does, it does feel like a, like a song, if it were, if it were to be released as a single, which I, I don't know off the top of my head if it was, but if it were to be released as a single, it would have some stuff trimmed out and I don't think it would really miss it too much. So, yeah, I, I really like the song and I really like Spoon and this, um, made me go back to listen to Ga 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 Ga. And the amazing thing about that album is every song is only exactly as long as it needs to be. And it's just super tight and compact. And that's something that I think Spoon does really well. Um, and maybe why Transference didn't jive as much with me, even though I still really like it and think it's really good. But even still, like, there's a tightness about their melodies and about just their whole rhythm that I really like. And the song does a good job with that, the way it kind of mixes the piano and with the with that really great beat. Um, yeah, I really like the song. Yeah, it's a it, it's a good one, and I do recommend. I mean, transference. A lot of people really like transference a lot, and I don't want to make it sound like it was a letdown. It may it, well, okay, it was a letdown for me, but <laughs> I, I I don't think that was a general the, the general consensus on it at all. I think that's more just how I viewed it. It's not as it, it actually is not as probably rocky as their earlier stuff. It's a, it's a little there's a little more piano ballads kind of stuff, um, and I think that. It's a, it's a, it's another facet of a very fascinating band. I just don't think it always works that well for me. But this song, this song just nails it for me, uh, with the exception that it might just be just a little too long, or could stand to be a little shorter and wouldn't wouldn't miss it. I I, I do think you're onto something with that, Aaron. Okay. Anyone else have something they want to add to "Written in Reverse" by Spoon? Doesn't sound like it. All right, guys. I think I think we ran out of songs to talk about. There are no more songs. uh, There's no more songs ever. That's it. (laughs) We are done with talking about songs. Hey, we got to think about what we're going to do in episode uh, seven, though. 
two episodes from now. Who's going to be picking then? I think it is John, Ryan, and me. Because Aaron's got Aaron's going to have something else for us, I think. So, uh, John, you have a song you want to pick for episode seven that you want us to listen to? Um, come back to me. Oh, <laughs> going to do that. You're going to pull you, that. Okay, Ryan. You, hey, I'm pulling a Ryan. No. You are pulling oh, a Ryan. Oh yeah, that's right. I did that. Huh. Um, I want to do "Hold On, Hold On" by Nico Case. Okay. Hold on, hold on by Nico Case. John, are you ready yet? Yeah, I'll I'll stick with the Foster the People album that I've been listening to and um, Coming of Age. Coming of Age by Foster the People. And I think I am going to pick Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me by U2. Only a matter of time before. I was wondering when it was yeah, going to yeah. It was only a matter of time before I brought him up, and that's the song <laughs> we're gonna. A matter of time. That's that's what we're gonna open with, I think. The the long the long odyssey of me talking about you too. So, yeah. Batman Forever. Yeah, that's right. Hey, that's it is a not as terrible as it could be Batman movie. <laughs> nice form, but a little rough on the landing. That, everyone's like, I don't, hey guys, I don't know, maybe. I think this is the first episode where we all kind of liked all of the singles. <laughs> actually no i would i would say i really liked i really liked hound dog a lot i think right. hound dog had a lot of subtext to it that was that's probably well i mean i like written in reverse a lot too but that was hound dog was actually probably the best one of the three i would say maybe so yeah no no uh angel of death i hate you for not liking mine the most <laughs> this is where, well, this is I where hated John... yours the most if that makes you feel better oh <laughs> just kidding <laughs> all right if that's enough time wasting around here uh, I think that's it for episode five of the Takedown Notice. Uh, from all of us here, this is Nate, John, Ryan, and Aaron, and we will catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. I'm bringing sexy back. Let's wrap it up and get out of here.